0: Spend less time quoting and more time selling. Hello, friends. Jay Jacobs here with another stellar episode of the Job Shop Show. Today's show is going to be brilliant. We are chatting with Dan Kirby, CEO and co-founder of the tech department in the United Kingdom. The tech department is a technology implementer specializing in working with UK manufacturers. They believe their future, like all businesses, is digital. Let me repeat that their future, your future, like all businesses, is digital. Or put another way, in the 1980s, I heard a quote from an MIT professor, Dr. Bruce Merrifield, which has stuck with me. Innovate, automate, or evaporate. So we are going to talk about implementing technology, hopefully giving you a strategy on how to do it right and highlight the mistakes that are often made. Welcome to the Job Shop Show, Dan. Well, it's
1: great to have, uh, uh, great to be on the podcast, and thanks for having me. Um, uh, I'm very excited. I'm, I'm dialing in from the UK, and um, it's uh, uh, using technology. So here we are. We're, we're kind of uh, we're living and breathing what we're
0: preaching. That's right. Making communication a lot easier. Absolutely. We were introduced by a mutual friend, Ross Thornley, in the UK. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And Ross and his co-founder have started a company called Adapt AI, which is measuring how adaptable a person in a company is to change. Hmm. And my thought is with technology making change happen faster and faster, measuring adaptability makes so much sense hmm. because implementing technology at your company means people will have to change. So wouldn't it be great to know who needs to change the most who needs the help <laughs> mm. and it and, and beyond that even knowing how or if your company is ready for change mm. i could see that you could apply this to your process to your companies that you're working with up front mm. what are your thoughts there dan well, it's, it's interesting adaptability is
1: and if you think about, I mean, uh, I want to go back and tell you my, a little bit of my background. Because it might, sure. m- I'm just going to, This might. Uh, as you're talking, I think, uh, I, I've, I started my career, um, well, sorry, when I left university in the UK, I went to one of the better universities. And I graduated in 1996. i had never turned on a computer in the entire It wasn't entirety. a requirement. It wasn't a requirement. And by the way, I did a history degree. So I actually, I actually studied American history. So I studied your country. Uh, for, my, for, my, uh, uh, for my college degree. But I, I, it was an arts degree, a humanities degree. And I didn't mm-hmm. need to turn on the computer. So I, I, I now run a technology company and advise uh, manufacturing companies on their strategy to do with technology. But I, I was an arts graduate. In fact, before I did my history degree, I was going to become a fine artist, a painter. I, I dropped really? out. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, My father's a, a, an artist as is my godfather, and, and I came from a very creative, artistic family, and I'm, I'm very creative myself. And so I thought, I, I'll become an artist. And I, 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 I dropped out and became a businessman. So I, um, I, I, I've come from this kind of arc where I started with fine art, and then humanities and history, and no technical knowledge. And purely by accident, I was young at the time when the dot-com boom was happening. So, so like most people do, they look at the younger generation and assume that young people know everything that old people don't understand, which um, is how I got my opportunity um, to make a. Uh, initially, it was in nineteen ninety seven, and, and we uh, and, and I was working for for a company that did PR communications because I can write copy. Uh, I'm a copywriter, and my you probably boss, wrote a lot
0: in university.
1: Yeah, exactly that. So I was good at writing, and I thought, I'll get a job writing for, for a living. And my, my boss was asked, could you do a website for this company? And my boss said, yes, I'm an expert at making websites. We're excellent at that. And of course, we'd never done it before. <laughs> so, so I was like this kind of very green, young guy who was kind of the youngest in the company. And my boss said, okay, you're young. You must know about this newfangled technology. You make the website. But of course, I had no idea. I I couldn't switch on the computer when I graduated. I I I went to art school. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had to live. uh, Well, I said yes. And this is the story of my life, actually. I say yes to things and then work out how to do it it, whilst doing Mm -hmm. it. And I kind of, um, that, that's the, perhaps the definition of innovation is just, it's kind of, I don't know, <laughs> trying things out. So that's how I learned about technology a little bit. And so the point about adaptability is I think um, I've been lucky in my career is that I've been presented with opportunities to kind of learn and make mistakes and innovate and try new ideas out that's forced me into, into, into a path which I probably wouldn't have chosen but life imposed on me. And what I've learned over that time is to apply these skills in different ways. So, so, so the adaptability thing, I think, is, 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 is kind of fundamental in a world which changes every six months. And where your skills and your training may be not entirely appropriate in five years' time. So how do you deal with that when you're responsible for your family and for your company and your, your, your mortgage payments and all the responsibilities mm-hmm. you have as a, as, a, as a person? And so I kind of figured that this is, um, learning how to use skills in different ways, working on your adaptability is, is I think the kind of fundamental part of, 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 of succeeding in the modern economy uh, as an individual. But also that I would say wider than that is your adaptability as an organization. Um, so it's, it's, it's the people, but then as an organization to see itself mm. in different ways and to adapt to the way the world is, as opposed to the way the world, well, the, the way you want the world to be. <laughs> all right. So, so you kind of, we all, we all want it to be easy, but it isn't. <laughs> right. And so, and so why d- deal with reality as it is, uh, but and that bunch requires of thoughts, adaptability.
0: A bunch of thoughts running through my head. So, Right. Relating to adaptability, the fact that you say yes means mm. that you probably are highly adaptable. That's your default. But there's so many people who the default answer would be no, mm. because it's change, it's scary. And Ross and I had a conversation, and at my manufacturing company, Rapid, we change so often, and we'll get into this a little bit Mm. in the discussion on these incremental small improvements that were made consistently, that even people who were not genetically inclined to be adaptable learned to become Mm. adaptable. And that was a key question that Ross had for me was, can people learn to be adaptable? And Mm. I really saw it happen at RAPID and it wasn't intentional. It was the team members had to, had to be carried along. They had to learn for us to be successful. We, we needed to make sure that they were successful. And that meant we unconsciously trained them to be adaptable. So the, what i like about what ross is doing is he's saying that it is something that can be measured and that it can be changed but the the people and whether it's a company or not have to be identified and measured so that the appropriate tools can be put in place to make that happen because it all goes back to what your your company's philosophy that all businesses are going digital. That means technology, and implementing technology means change.
1: Absolutely, and, and I think this is that the the heart of this is you don't have a choice. Right. Yeah. So adaptability isn't really a thing that you um, have a choice about. I mean, in this, in some ways, my the way I found myself in here was a a set of choices. Um, but really, it was great training for a world that's only got more like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so I was lucky. But this kind of, I think this is the first thing is to accept that that is the the, the reality. You know, if you're running a company of any of any type, you have to accept that, th- that it's going to change. And the future is, whether you like it or understand it, truly is is digital. And uh, and we all know that because you know you you, you look at. I don't know, Blockbuster or Netflix and Uber, and you understand that these have disrupted markets and they've changed entire industries. But you tend to, um, in particularly more traditional industries, which I think a lot of uh, particularly industrial companies or manufacturing companies can can be Mm -hmm. perhaps not quite as high up the sort of curve of earlier, they're not big early adopters. There's quite traditional manufacturing processes and, and equipment that you're working with. You can kind of go, well, all right, well, it's, it's, it's not happening right now or next week. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a, a classic, it's, it's important. Well, I, I'm being told it's important, that so the world is telling me this is important. I'm reading about this on LinkedIn and in my trade uh, uh, publications and in shows. And if I'm going to an expo or a conference, people are mm-hmm. telling me this is important. But then I go back to my office and it's kind of... Yeah, it's kind of not too dissimilar to the way it was last year, and you know. But so it's difficult to sort of join the dots with that. And where where we is what we're kind of seeing a lot is is that these you come to the point about incremental change, is that the adaptability can be a uh, can sound kind of abstract, and digital change can sound abstract. But really, what you're talking about is 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 often lots of small changes over time, mm-hmm. which which allow you to avoid big changes. <laughs> and I think this is the, the, the philosophy that, that the, the tech department is a, um, a company that helps uh, manufacturing companies improve. And so how do a, uh, how does a manufacturing business improve? Well, uh, 80% of the time now it's around technology and digital tools and software. And so we, what we do is help uh, leaders within that company navigate through that path. But the, the thing that we've learned that really works for f- f- is small measured stages, steps towards what we would call a North star, like a direction of travel. And if you start making those changes today, then your adaptability is designed into that process, right? Yes. You don't need to do a m- big pivot, right? And it's like you a magic bullet, which changes your business forever, right? It's small changes, that is the adaptability, all right? So, so it's kind of these abstract concepts like adaptability or transformation or digital or technology mm. or the, the king of all buzzwords, the fourth industrial revolution, is a, a thing that a lot of people are talking <laughs> about over here. And it's like what and what you everybody everybody you read these buzzwords, and you kind of say to yourself, "What the heck's that?" Right, <laughs> right. And, and, and that's a great response to have because that's what I think, and I'm a professional in that space, right? So, so um, if you wanna be adaptable, if you want to design your company to be ready for the future and to be perpetually ready because the future is always changing, it's focusing on those small incremental changes. And maybe those changes are bigger than others and maybe they're smaller than mm-hmm. others, but each day continuous improvement. Uh, and so, so our, our kind of mindset around that model, I think, marries neatly with with a lot of, um, uh,
0: yeah, what, what other people me, like that. Uh, what struck me about when I went through the, you have an ebook, and yes. yeah. we had chatted before, is that I want to talk about the con- the converse meaning mm. how owners and the leaders in the manufacturing companies. Are being trained not to be adaptable, which is the what you highlight about how projects are traditionally approached. So yes, yeah. before we get into what works, maybe we can resonate with some of the listeners with hmm. what doesn't work oh, yeah. and why it doesn't work. Yeah. Well. Okay. Well. I, I, yeah. There's a lot. Let me just say that it's really,
1: really easy to make a complete mess of your digital stuff. I did it a number of times. Oh, listen, I, I've done it, and we do it now, and we're, like I mm-hmm. say, professional. I have a team, a small team, a boutique company. There's 15 people. But we're all professional technologists, and we continually make strategic errors of, of, of buying, installing, building our own technology. It's just mm-hmm. hard. The reason is because, like, business is hard. You know, life is hard. The process of change, in, in personally, is unknowable until you've kind of done it. You can have Mm -hmm. a go and you can have a a guess and a plan, but reality then hits you in the face. And that's what happens with digital. All right. So you you have, I mean, we've all been there where you, uh, we, 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 so you mentioned our, our ebook, right. And what we talk, the the ebook is called the secret that digital consultants don't want you to know. right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because the, What's taken me 15 years to work out running my business is that really the whilst Technology is the sort of basic currency of the change
0: mm-hmm. the,
1: the thing you should focus on is not the technology It's the improvement that the technology is going to create for you. All right, so that's the secret and 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 the But what happens is 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 you will hire if you're a growth minded company, manufacturing business. You want to succeed, you want to, have, you want to achieve your, your goals.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You'll you know that technology is a thing and you'll hire a consultant to come in and, and talk to you. And that consultant will uh, get everybody excited and they'll create a plan, which is beautiful. It's got so much blue sky everywhere and you're so excited by this plan. And they, they put the plan on the, on the table and they leave the building and you all kind of high-five each other, and then nothing happens, <laughs> right? Right. And, and, so you, uh, and then the alternative, actually, is you, you would go to a technology company, and the technology company has what we call a whiz-bang or whiz-bang technology. Mm-hmm. It's great. It solves this problem. It solves that problem. It's going to iron your shirts. It's going to pick up your kids from school. It's going to do all this crazy stuff for you and solve all your problems. Mm-hmm. And they install that software and then they disappear. And then two years later, you find that the technology isn't really doing what you thought it was going to do. In fact, it's perhaps creating more work for you and not less work. And perhaps it takes so much energy to maintain that it just takes, soaks up a lot of time you could be with your customer mm-hmm. or or you just have to change your working method to, to fit it rather than it fits you. All that stuff. So you, so you have this kind of experience where people go out to the market and they think that technology is the thing. So they hire technologists, so a consultant to talk about technology as a future or a technology company to install their whiz-bang technology to, to serve your company. But when, you, when, when they've gone through that process it hasn't worked for them and and the reason in our experience and in our opinion the reason it hasn't worked is because you're starting from the wrong first principle okay the first principle you should always start with anything really in terms of any kind of change in your business but particularly technology is what is this going to improve right Mm -hmm. and why is that important to you right Because if you can't answer those two questions, you really, really shouldn't do the
0: technology. And I think it's as basic as a job shop will say, we need an ERP system. Yeah, yeah. But, and they they probably do. Mm. But it is really stepping back and saying, why do I need an ERP Hmm. system? What do I want that ERP system to do? And with out that approach, the inclination would be we need an ERP system. Let's go look at all the ERP systems that are out there for job shops and we'll mm-hmm. pick the best one. Exactly. But you're not starting with what's there may be a best one for the majority of shops, but your shop probably isn't in the majority, even though that doesn't sound right. And yeah, yeah. you have your own specific needs what are those needs why do you want to put in an erp system what's failing
1: mm, exactly that and i think everybody's business is different uh, there may be common characteristics but when you get inside it it's always different like, mm-hmm. it's because of cultural reasons and historical reasons and maybe legacy software and particular mm-hmm. quirks to your service proposition so so you can't um, you know you know and, and it's like kind of one size doesn't fit all. And often mm-hmm. it's, it's very specific. So if you start with those questions, it really, it may be that the, so if you think about this as an experiment, right? So, so when you, um, you, so why do you want an ERP system? Well, the, the reason is you want to make your company more efficient and you want to create better, a, a better output.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you dig into that, there'll probably be specific parts of your business that are working less e- e- efficiently in your job shop than others. I mean, maybe the, the thing you want to, so your hypothesis in your experiment is that if you buy an ERP system, that, that your company will be more profitable and your customers will be happier and you can go to bed without being stressed or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so you're testing that. So you could go out and buy a piece of software that's the best on the market and install it, but it's a long time before you find out whether your hypothesis is true, right? It may be, but within that, there'll be certain other things you can test. So, so there may be just a a, a change in a, a, a how your team communicate. Maybe that's the first thing. Maybe there's a change in how the information is reported, and and maybe it's you do it in a very simple integrated Excel spreadsheet first to just see mm-hmm. if you, if
0: that very rough information is better than but what you were As an as an owner, you may say well, an ERP system will give me visibility in the shop. I'll be able to get all sorts of reports on what's going on. Mm. And perhaps that information is already collectible. Mm. But if you don't ask what information, what are the key metrics that I need to know about for running my business, you won't know whether that ERP system will give you those metrics or not. Exactly that. And, and I think this is the first principle. And it's not to say that an ERP
1: st- ERP system is bad to have or wrong, of course mm-hmm. not. And this, there's a reason why market-leading software is market-leading. But it doesn't mean it's the right for you, specifically you at this point in time. And to mm-hmm. your point, the first principle is, what information do you need? And, where, and how, can you get that? And, and how is that going to influence your business? And, and if you can't answer those questions, all that's going to happen is you're going to get lost in a kind of wormhole that has no end which is features and specifications and technologies mm-hmm. that are new and all this kind of stuff. And you will be, if you're not a technologist, you will be very confused and the decision will be made on, you know, who's got the best sales person or, coolest looking brochure you know it's kind of you make decisions based on those kind of factors and it's the wrong focus the wrong emphasis and and really so what we had um um so our business is, is focused on doing that because it's the right thing to do you know and, and i'm kind of i spent 13 years uh, running this company where my the game i was playing was was the was not that okay i was the guy trying to get you to spend your money hmm. on the on the clever custom ERP system with all the latest fancy bells and whistles on it. And we were very good at that, <laughs> right? We have a great set of credentials, a great set of customers, and, you know, that's fun and whatever, whatever. But we had a, um, a moment a couple of years ago where we had a very uh, bad year. We kind of lost a load of money and it was, it was a function of bad management, you know, like really, we messed it up. Uh, if it started on our 13th birthday, it was kind of like unlucky for some, Number 13, and it all hit on that. <laughs> and it was kind of a healthy thing to have happened. And I'm now really pleased that it did happen, although I wouldn't want to do it, do it again. But what, what it forced us to do was to question our business from first principles, right? So I talk about this idea of first principles. Like, if you had a blank piece of paper, what would you do? Not what, what's there, what's the software? What's the... And so we, we looked at our business, and I said, hang on, we're selling something which people don't want. Right. right what they want is improvement what we're selling is technology and those two things may intersect right but not not always <laughs> and the game that i'm playing currently is to try and persuade you to spend as much money as possible without any commitment to improve because that's a pain for me and then i'm going to say bye goodbye and then hopefully you'll spend more money with me again right and I kind of figured that I didn't like that game. And that's partly the reason we ended up in it with a big problem. And I said, I'm going to re-engineer our business around this, this fundamental insight that came from us having a terrible year. Right? I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to help uh, companies improve. And particularly uh, because where I'm, um, where I'm based and my company is based is a, a city called Sheffield, which is in the north of England. And mm-hmm. uh, Sheffield has a very long history of industrial innovation. Uh, so stainless steel was innovated here. And there's a very long um, uh, you know, history of the steel industry and, in, and industry and manufacturing in, in, in general. And I kind of was talking to people saying, hey, listen, we've got this process we've created. It's, we're calling it a tech boot camp. Because if you go to a boot camp at a gym, it's like really hard. <laughs> and you have to work mm-hmm. really hard. and it ha- It's a very short time. And at the end of it, you feel real good. And over time, you get fit. Right. So we're calling this a tech boot camp because we're going to try and create improvement every day. Right. It's going to be tough. It's going to be rough. It's going to be maybe a bit messy. Some days it may not work, but over time that graph sort of ticks up. All right. So we had this concept and then we found that the manufacturing companies, industrial companies, job shops were saying, hey, listen, we need improvement. (laughs) Right. And we kind of we've had these experiences where our fingers have been burnt by digital consultancies with their perfect plan and the blue sky thinking and tech companies with their whiz-bang technology. And what we really could do with is somebody who can kind of just in plain English say, hey, that's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, that's great. Or that's easy or that's hard, you know? So what my company does is, is, is we're not consultants. We don't sell consultancy. We don't charge for any of the boot camp workshops that we run. Because what we want to do is help companies uh, in the manufacturing space in the UK and and anywhere else, really, is to release potential. It's like potential that's in your business that's trapped because you're still working in in old ways, uh, ways that can be modernized. That information, the data you talk about is trapped. Uh, It's not transparent. It's not clear. You can't make decisions quickly and clearly. And so you've got a, a vision of the future, but you're kind of stuck in the day-to-day. And what we're trying to do is help uh, manufacturing companies day by day, every month, create improvements mm. by improving their technology. And, and kind of our day-to-day work is we create custom web software, really. We're, we're a software engineering company. So we would you know help companies connect old software with new software or create better e-commerce platforms or um, run internal communication better or get their quotes out faster, that kind of thing.
0: I like how you put the improvement around everyday problems. And yes, yeah. Quote, perfect example. Hmm. ERP systems have a quoting and estimating module typically because they have to have one, but hmm. it's not the core of their system and it, is often cumbersome to use so you have a choice do you put in a whole bunch of extra keystrokes and work around your erp system to send your quotes out of that or do you use excel (laughs) or quickbooks or both and say okay only the orders that i win i will put into my erp system but then Mm -hmm. you're retyping the information in and of course, whenever you retype something in the mistakes will be made. It's not sure. a question, will they? They, they will. Mm. That, that That's going to happen. So in systems that don't connect, you have CAM software that doesn't necessarily connect with the shop floor systems and your Oh, another example with the ERP systems is they have a very limited contact management software, mm. CRM software, yep, yep. because they have to. Mm. And I remember the system we used. I'm trying to remember. I think it had a limit of ten characters oh, really? as a as a <laughs> as a code per customer. So right. we had we would have a customer, a fortune. 100 companies, say, mm. let's say General Electric, GE, mm. and we were working with dozens of their divisions. So right. every, so I had to take the first two characters of GE because <laughs> sometimes they would come in as GE, sometimes it wouldn't, but they yeah. were a GE company. And mm. the limitations of the ERP system relating to the contact management. So mm. I'll share a story. We Actually, at Rapid, we were using Salesforce, and Salesforce was a great tool for us because we had in-house developers who could customize it to what we were doing. And Mm. the the volume, we put out over 100,000 unique line item quotes a year, and that was all managed through Salesforce who enabled our sales team. So we love the cloud approach of salesforce Mm. and our erp system was a desktop based application so we said wouldn't it be great if our erp system was on the cloud and it was connected to salesforce Mm. so we went out and we looked and there was a cloud-based erp system that was totally integrated into Salesforce, Mm, mm. but we had been burnt enough times (laughs) by then, so we used your approach with incremental steps, and we tested it in a siloed area where it couldn't create any harm. We used it in Mm. our smallest operating division, and we ran it parallel, and we kept taking steps we created goals and if we accomplished those goals we went to the next step right and we got to the point though where as you say the two years down the road you find out something's not working Yeah, we now we're getting into the nitty-gritty of the system and we found some roadblocks that just we could not overcome with that mm-hmm. system so we invested we bought the software we invested between their Integration fees and our own internal people several hundred thousand dollars Mm. in this Attempt at bringing in a cloud-based ERP system and ultimately we said As much as we Would prefer to be on the cloud Mm. This is not The best way to go and we remain with our desktop based ERP system. Yeah, it's interesting. It,
1: it, it, the moral in that story is, I think, that there was a few things in there interesting, but the, the number one takeout for that for me is the devil is in the details, mm-hmm. right? These, these things are kind of, it can be great, 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 great. Oh, not so great. Yeah. And so you, you, oftentimes with technology, it sort of looks and maybe is good, but then the business evolves or you find you need it to do something very specific and it just can't do it. But until you kind of get into the weeds, it's difficult to know that in advance. And so this it's illustrates the challenge you face as, a, as an organization, I think. And I think what, what we've kind of, what, where we kind of have seen is this sort of iterative approach really helps with that. Because otherwise you're, you know, it's... Unless you're measuring this thing all the way through and being mindful of this kind of potential pitfall, then, um, yeah,
0: it can create real challenges. I want to mention one other thing that it also, beyond the technology, it enabled us to see how responsive that company was to us and the changes we wanted to make and how able they were to make the changes even if they wanted to. And what we found out was that, they could or would not support the basic changes we needed, which we thought other manufacturers would need. Mm. And the human relationship, even though we're talking technology, it all comes down to people. Sure, yeah. That, that was a great learning experience and worthwhile because everything sounds great while you're dating, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, that, that's it, yeah.
0: Exactly. And and
1: there's a technology salespeople are really great salespeople. They are. And you know, every damn technology website you'll go to is cool looking and slick and everything's like coming in, in nice animations and everyone's laughing in the photos and you know, it looks beautiful. <laughs> you want to work there? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, wow. Look, all these, these attractive people are having fun. <laughs> I want to do that. So, so you kind of, uh, it's very seductive. I mean, we, we did it. I'll tell you a story. We, we, about 10 years ago, we, we, hire, we bought, sorry, licensed some cloud software for project management. We mm-hmm. said, we're going to do this properly now. We're going to invest in this software. And it was this software's build as the simple Um, It's designed for kind of, I guess, uh, creative or technology companies, uh, service businesses that are doing uh, uh, projects, uh, custom projects. Anyway, cut a long story short, after two years, we'd implemented this thing and realized that it was just so, it wasn't simple. (laughs) Like it, Mm -hmm. it, it was actually simple relative to perhaps other software, I don't know, maybe Microsoft Project, but it wasn't simple. And our team who was supposed to be looking after our customers was spending all of their time uh, administering the software. Mm-hmm. So we became like a kind of the inverse relationship that you should have with technology. Instead of the technology serving our interests and our needs and our team and our customers, we were serving it, right? And it became really apparent one day, you know, like they kind of, were, so we really tried for two years, to be diligent and do it properly. And then we realized, hang on, this is crazy. We're not talking to our customers. We're administering the system. Just junk the system, right? But it took us two years to do that because you have this sunk cost thing, right? Where you've invested the time to find and specify and, and commission the work. You invest the time to train your team. You invest the time to learn on it and to manage your business through it. And then you, it's like the dating thing. You don't want to give up. You maybe that maybe she will marry me. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe it's all going to work out like roses and flowers and, and happy forever after. And you keep going, and then it just yeah. So, so like I say, no one is immune from this. You know, it's it's a, it's very risky uh, making change. It's very risky commissioning technology. And the risk isn't apparent until you're two or three years in because you'll never get that time back.
0: You know, the cost is one thing, but the, the well, sunk time is another. Let's let's stop stop here, though, because we're probably scaring off all the job shop owners <laughs> who want to implement change in technology. But now they're throwing their hands up, going, "Wow, if the technology implementer is getting burnt, what chance do I have?" But hey, but yeah. but you have developed a specific process which it won't guarantee success, but it Helps find those roadblocks and the obstacles to success, and that you, yeah. you put that into what you call the tech boot camp. And would you go through that for me, please? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and what I would say is the lesson here is not
1: is difficult and risky. Therefore, don't do it. All right. We started the conversation saying that all futures, the future of all business is digital, and that mm-hmm. is true. All right. The question isn't. You have to do it, right? The question, therefore, is how you do it, all right? And so, um, part of the reason we're um, having this conversation, actually, is, is, is our, my mission and our mission as a company is to help people to not make those mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. To, to, to you know, it's, yeah, like anything in life, business is complicated, life is complicated. There's lots of things to go wrong, but you, you still do it. And so, technology is is, is a great opportunity, and. There are some challenges to be aware of. So, the reason we created this tech bootcamp process, which, by the way, you can download all of this in detail, like literally how we run this process, all from our website, which is the tech department or T H E T E C H D E P T dot com. We've posted it on there and it's free to download. And it's, it, we, we genuinely want to help people. help job shops to not make these mistakes all right so so here's the it's a five-step process and it's very simple Mm
0: -hmm.
1: the first step is is mindset okay and this is actually comes to your point about fear and complexity and worry about that okay if you see this as a cost as opposed to an investment then you you've got the wrong mindset all right Now, uh, uh, you you, need to view your relationship with technology within your job shop like you view your team or your strategy or your customers. It's a long-term relationship. It's a long-term process. It's a long-term thing that's going to evolve over time. And you've got to see, therefore, all the, the, the money you spend and the time you spend, not as wasted time if it doesn't work but as investments in understanding what does work and what Mm -hmm. doesn't work and what's gonna be appropriate for you. Specifically you, specifically this time with specifically your customers and specifically what's gonna happen to you in the future, which is always different to every other company, right? So all that experience I've had with my experience with that technology, that's taught me (laughs) why it's so important to teach the other people. Because if I make that mistake, everybody else is gonna make that mistake, right? So these are all data points on the on the
0: path to success, right? So it gets back to in the cost versus investment. You can make good investments, you can make bad investments. Yes. You will make both. Yes. But you have to view them as investments. And if you do make a bad investment, it's only a I'll call it a terrible investment if you don't learn anything from it because uh, yeah, yeah, a exactly. bad investment. You, you want to you take away lessons learned so you don't make that same bad investment again. Exactly. And, and you do that with your team. Mm-hmm. You do that with your strategies and your,
1: your marketing campaigns and with your customers. Technology is the same. It's a thing you, you can't, it's, in, it's, it's very rare you're going to get it right on day one for, and then that's it forever. You can't, that doesn't mm-hmm. happen. It's not a, a magic bullet, right? It's a relationship. It's a process. It's a strategy. It's, it's, a, it's a multifaceted thing. So that's your mindset. Because if you don't have that, then frankly, it's like, it's going to be a very big up, It's going to be a series of very difficult disappointments for you. And you'll just get frustrated. So, so first of all, work on your mindset. And, and the second thing you, you, you should do is... Um, once you have your uh, view of the world and you're seeing it as a series of of investments you're making is to create a plan, okay? Now, a very simple plan. And so the reason you need a plan is because otherwise you end up um, buying technology based on what looks cool, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Which may not be the same thing as what works for your your job shop strategically. So a plan isn't six months. (laughs) And it's not beautiful and it's not blue sky everywhere and a thousand pages of text, right? It's mm-hmm. not a kind of digital consultancy plan. We, we run our planning uh, workshops. We call them a tech bootcamp workshop in 90 minutes. And if we're being really posh, we're going to do them in two hours. <laughs> you don't <laughs> need to spend a lot of time. Right. And in our ebook, you have all the questions you need to ask uh, yourself. And, and really what you've got to do is go back to first principles, like I talked about. Just say, okay, why, what am I looking to do in, and we use a, a, an 18-month framework. Like in 18 months' time, what has, to have, what has to have improved for my customers or my company or my team? Because in 18 months' time, you, 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 it's kind of near enough to see it, but it's not kind of so close that you haven't had time to do something. Mm-hmm. And if you work that out and then sort of start write down what the answers are and then ask yourself a few other questions about, you know, what's important, what's going to get in the way. And, and, then, and then you ask yourself, okay, what are the things I haven't done so far that I really wish I had done? Are areas of procrastination almost, right? And out of that list, because everybody has a list, a list of things they haven't done or they wish they had done. If you decide, okay, what's the number one thing I should do, right? Mm-mm. That's a plan. <laughs> right yeah. it's a plan you don't need any more than that you can do it in 90 minutes you, or you can do this in half an hour if you gonna like you know want to sweat it it's 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 a series of questions and you can work out you, you it really is dead easy you just go okay where do we want to go we call that a north star okay when you see on our website that we, mm-hmm. we visualize our boot camp as a graphic as a star uh, like a five-pointed star and we we do that because in the planning phase we create what we call a north star that's an 18 month vision of the future a direction of travel okay and so if you're going to you know you don't need to know every every crater on the moon to know which direction to walk in to walk towards the moon right mm-hmm. so quick quick plan because that's uh, you can't get there in one day so what we then say once we've got our plan we're going to work out what's the simplest thing we can do for the biggest impact and the least amount of cost in time and resource and money to step towards that North Star, the vision of the future, the direction of travel. And and, and then we're gonna measure the impact of that activity. Right, and, and, and once you've measured it, you know whether you've moved away from or
0: towards your North Star. So uh, before we get to the measure, yeah. and actually going back to the plan, what. I see as in the plan is that you want to be intentional. Exactly that. And the way that you get intentional, like you ask why over and over, I think it's the five whys. Somebody yeah, yeah. Asks, you ask somebody the question, uh, you ask them why and they give you an answer, but why that? And mm. you, you keep asking why and you get down to some pretty basic things that don't get, uncovered Mm. so being intentional is a plan but in the action that's the how and yes the part of the action and the how is who is going to do it Mm. and the depending on the size of the job shop and their comfort i guess with technology Is it something that you could do in house, or you want to hire somebody to do it in house, or are you going to go outside? And the who is either a company who's already developed that product who can perhaps modify it for you, or someone like yourself who will create a custom product for you and have the skill sets that you don't have a house and don't want to have a house. Exactly. And, and,
1: and again, so once you have the why and, and, and you know what you want to try and create, mm-hmm. then it's like, it's simple. you just ask, I mean, like, this is how I got my break. Right. So my boss said, do you want to do it? And I said, yes. All right. So maybe there's somebody sat in your, in your, in your job shop right now mm-hmm. and you just need to give them a break. Maybe they can do that, you know? And, 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 and if you understand what the problem is you're trying to fix and you've got some ideas, how what, it's an experimentation, right? And maybe they try something and maybe you get somewhere and you need to hire somebody else. And that could be somebody, uh, a freelance contractor. <laughs> There's many mm-hmm. of those on the internet. Um, it could be a company like mine who can create something custom. It could be a startup. It could be a software product. It could be Microsoft. It could be anything. The point is, if you have a clear understanding of what you're trying to do and why, then, who is gonna
0: work out how to do it becomes much easier to work out. Right. I want to share at rapid for the listener how we got started with mm. technology. And it was a fellow named Steve Lynch <laughs> and he was running the engineering department and we were using SOLIDWORKS. Mm. And we had tons and tons of keystrokes. As a matter of fact, enough clicks on the mouse button that he started to get carpal tunnel syndrome. Really? (laughs) So, we weren't gonna take away the mouse, those existed. So, we gave Steve the permission to, we bought him a macro mouse, a programmable Mm -hmm. mouse, and we allowed him to create macros so he could push one button and eliminate 10 maybe 50 keystrokes and it was so funny yet frustrating because we would be watching him and then the folks who worked for him sitting back in their chairs watching their computer screen run automated (laughs) macros for five ten minutes right and i'm thinking i'm paying these guys to watch the computer screen (laughs) but that that's but it was much, much faster than them clicking the mouse themselves. And of course, it his carpal tunnel syndrome went away. But that was how we started because the mm. macros be, just became too convoluted, too inefficient. And Steve used that time while the mouse was running. We gave him another computer and he started learning the SOLIDWORKS API so okay, that okay. the API we could create the same things the macros were doing in the SOLIDWORKS API, but exactly what you're talking about, it was a, well, it was a who internally, but we had to give that permission to yeah, them. Yeah. And, and
1: I think what's interesting there is, is you, it's a great case study of experimentation, mm-hmm. play. Right? You, have a, you had a vision of the future, a North Star. And maybe that North Star was you want to fix his carpal tunnel syndrome, right? Yeah. That's a plan. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. my, that's my direction of travel. Okay? So yeah. how are we going to do that? We're going to get you a programmable mouse, and we're going to let you do do your thing. Mm-hmm. So you, you take a step then towards the future, uh, which becomes te- digital or automation or whatever you want to call that. Now, maybe that step was slightly inefficient
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? uh, versus where you ended up, right? But it was the first step. And in like all journeys start with a single step, right? And you, it's like, kind of you're never gonna hit a straight line towards your vision of the future. It's always a zigzaggy line, you know? You look back and you think, wow, if only I knew, well, I knew now then I would have wasted far less time, right? Mm-hmm. But that's experience and that's life. So if you accept that and embrace that and make small steps um, like you did, and create, create the gap and the opportunity for to find who is going to fill that. And if you go out to the market, you, instead of going to the market and saying, hey, we want technology, give me your best stuff, mm-hmm. right? and then you're, then you're just drowned in information that may or may not be relevant. You say, hey, listen, we need to fix this specific problem in this specific software for this specific context and, and you have a much better understanding of what decisions you need to make because you can go back to your uh, north star, and you can go back to it and say, oh, "Look, this is this is the problem we're trying to fix and why," and then it's then you can judge whether it's a simple solution or a complex solution mm-hmm. or an in-house solution or an external solution. That's the kind of that's the empowering thing with this. Really, is is when the things I have learned. In, a, in an entire career since 1997 of building web applications and mm-hmm. custom software is it's not about the technology it's about the improvement and if you don't have that clear in your mind all what the you time improve. if you don't have that in your mind all the mm-hmm. time you're going to go off track right and, and it's a complex multifaceted confusing space to work in but actually it's really simple, right? You just need to improve the thing, right? Yes. And if everybody does that, then we're good, <laughs> right? But everybody, the problem is what happens is you commission a technological person and they then ask you all these technology questions and you don't know. So you're like uh... <laughs> and then you say some stuff back to them and they go, yes, boss. And then they create something which they go, well, you told me to. Right. And, and then you're like, well, I, I'm not an expert. And they say, well, you're the boss. <laughs> and then there's this kind of feedback loop of doom you know and, and like like i say I, part of this is to say look listen the trick is there's no trick right the, 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 all these techie people of which i am one mm-hmm. well they so, so part of my i'm sort of picking a fight with digital consultants because i'm like listen you guys are just you don't get paid for simplicity right mm-hmm. consultants get paid for for complexity and the amount of hours they charge and looking clever and, you know, all this kind of good stuff, you know, and, and I'm not gonna, you know, there's lots of good, my friends are consultants. I'm not, but what you want and what a job shop owner wants isn't complexity, isn't time with a consultant. They want to have really happy customers and a really happy team and a fantastic um, output in their business. And they want to have an easy life and earn loads more money, and have a great stress-free home environment. That's mm-hmm. what you want. That's what I want. That's what every, I. Everybody would like that. So technology should deliver that, in my opinion. All right. If you focus on improvement first, you have a fighting chance of creating that. If you don't, you get lost in the complexity, and it just becomes. It can
0: become a real quagmire. Were it or we nail down the action, we're getting stuff done. Yep. And the next step of the process, which you started to touch upon, was measure.
1: Absolutely. So, so the measurement part I often gets, well, right, when you say measurement of data to people, people automatically start to think about quantum physicists like doing big data and analyzing lots of information. But, but data, measurement isn't, complicated, or it doesn't have to be complicated. Um, um, the key thing to, 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 to do when you're gonna measure something is to not do it at the end, is to start your thinking at the start. So you, you mentioned mm. about the intention, okay? So the first intention is your kind of North Star and then your first step towards the North Star. But before you start your step, you need to work out, okay, specifically what in this step is going to indicate improvement. How are we going to measure that? So that doesn't, and then where people get stuck on this is they kind of go, Oh yeah, but I've got no uh, analytics and Oh my God. Right. If your team is unhappy with the, the software now and afterwards they are happy, mm-hmm. that's measurement. Right. Yeah. It's qualitative data. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you can get caught up in this a lot and go, oh, yeah, how are we going to measure it? And who am I, I don't have the data scientist on hand to work this out. Listen, it's really easy. Is it better or not? Yes mm-hmm. or no? Okay, that's data. Now, when you get more advanced and you have a- analytics packages and all that kind of good stuff, you, yes, you can get really complicated. And yes, of course, if you have that information, maybe sensors on your machinery and you're plotting the, uh, the shift patterns and how it interrelates inter- 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 in terms of productivity, yes, you can get very complicated. But th- what I'm trying to do here is get people to not be intimidated by this stuff. Right, so measuring improvement, is, is, it has many factors, but you should, before you start the step, Think about, hey, what indicators do we have or can we find that are gonna give us some sense of whether we're moving in the right direction or not, right? And, that, and so you write them down, and we have a thing we call an improvement scorecard, and an improvement scorecard is a grid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can create this in Microsoft Word, and on the left-hand side, you put the up to five things you're gonna measure. So your team's perception is one measurement. Maybe sales uh, is another, or email sign-ups on your website, whatever it is. Like maybe, uh, there's, a, there's a number of things you could measure. But let's just say two or three things. And you have some data points right now, mm-hmm. or maybe you don't have any, it's a brand new thing. So your data point would be, Jay, what do you think of our, um, uh, our CRM platform? Well, I hate it. <laughs> okay, that's a data point. Afterwards, well, how do you feel about it now? Well, I love it. Okay, that's a data point. Mm-hmm. Right? We can measure that. And so you have a grid. Uh, so sorry, in your grid, you have a three up to five. Um, so in your grid on the left hand side, you have up to five things you're going to measure. And then you have a column that, that has the benchmark piece of information or
0: data. It, it sounds like coming up with measurements is almost part of the the plan. And because you're if it's what you're measuring is what you are deciding is important. Absolutely, so, so it's, it's kind of, what we would do is we create, we create the
1: plan first and then when we get really granular, when we're taking the action, that's when we, um well, you can do this at the plan stage, but it oftentimes,
0: well, the, the thing you do is. I yeah, was the, thinking at the action stage too, if you don't know what you're going to measure, then it you may not have the ability to measure it if, depending upon what it is, but also who's ever, Taking the action, knowing what, how they're going to be measured is pretty important. Oh, yeah, it's critical.
1: So, so here's the thing. So we, we, when we do our planning workshop, we, we sort of get a, a slightly more broad brushstroke. It's the direction of mm-hmm. travel and the first thing to focus on. Then when we move into our action phase, the first thing we do is to get really granular on precisely how we're going to do this. Mm. All right. So it, it, at that point, that's when we fill in our, our improvement scorecard. Now, it's critical at that point, because if you have a team of people working on something, and particularly if these people are technical people, like technologists, Mm -hmm. they will get lost in the weeds, right? And there are a billion things that are really important to do on every technology project. But there are only certain things that are essential for you to get right on that technology project. So, so the way we work it is we have, when we start a project and it goes to our development team, we have a sheet of paper. And on that sheet of paper, it says the customer's North Star. Mm-hmm. It says um, the success criteria for that project. Mm-hmm. And then we have the improvement scorecard. And that sits on everybody's desk. And if that developer, the web developer, is is noodling on some technical problem that they find fascinating, and they have a particular, this this happens all the time. There's like a billion things to work on. There's one particular thing that this particular guy has got an absolute bee in his bonnet. He's like, I'm gonna crack it. I'm gonna crack this problem. But it just so turns out that problem, whilst good to fix, isn't essential to the North Star, to the success criteria that we're trying to get, the success we're trying to get out of that particular project and the improvement scorecard. We say, listen, deprioritize that. I know you want to fix it, but listen, Take a deep breath. <laughs> Focus mm-hmm. on the important thing and fix that first, right? Because this other thing, we can worry about that later, right? Because it's mm-hmm. not critical to get the improvement. And that's just a, a, a one example of how you know you use these intentions to guide behavior and to prioritize behavior in a complex, multifaceted um, world, right? So you could everybody in plain English can go back to first principles and say, look. The direction of travel is this way and not that way. The things we're trying to produce here are, are, are here. And here, it has, here we're going to measure them. So, so we just crack. It means that that measurement stage is baked into the start of the process, not the end. So, when right. you get, so what happens is you, you create your thing, your CRM tool. And it's live. And at a certain point after it's live, you go back to your scorecard and you say, hey, Jay, previously <laughs> you said you hated your CRM. Now, how do you feel about it? And then we write down what you said. And then we maybe measure the speed, the time it takes for you to take a particular task, or the data you can get out of it, or the, the, the performance of the sales team, or whatever we would do to sort of measure the impact of that particular uh, boot camp. So at that point, we're measuring the impact.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then that, that, here's the important thing of the, of the measure stage, right? So measuring the data, great. But that's only half of the job. The other half of the job at the measure stage is to take action on the data. Okay. What do you mean by that? Okay, so you're gonna take, um, you have in, in, in the world of startups and tech world, you talk to people talk about actionable metrics, mm-hmm. right? So, so you have data, you've measured it. The question is what are you gonna do with it. And so because never is your business finished, it can always right. be further improved. So the concept within our bootcamp model is you get your mindset right, you get a quick plan, you take focused action, which you measure, and the measurement gives you guidance for the next bootcamp, the next set of action, all right? So it's
0: a continuous process.
1: It's absolutely, yes, a continuous improvement process. And, so, so, if you, and so, so, so in our experience, if you do that, Every day, like if you go to the gym and did a boot camp every day, you're hmm. gonna get fitter. It's just that that's what happens. You will be digitally fitter, and it's simpler and more straightforward, and it's less less chance. I mean, listen, we can always make mistakes, all right. But there's less chance of you falling down a, a, a one of these potholes that exist in the digital world if you follow that method and you know it's, it's it's simple and easy and, and it's just uh, something that we've learned over 15 years and now we're kind of sharing that and, and, and applying that uh, for our cl- our clients and helping them improve
0: and again it's outlined in your ebook i downloaded it printed it out and beyond even technology it's just a good process for implementing improvements in your company They've Oh, yeah, they may not you. be technology related, but you can use the same process.
1: Yeah. It's, it's funny because we, we designed it for technology, but actually it's, it, it's good for anything. And, we, and we, yeah. we, for what it's worth, we use this process for our personal development. <laughs> we have a mm. system where we just do on the same, all of our team have their own personal North star. Mm. And each 90 days we work towards us achieving their North star goal. And so we are aligning our company and our team using our process
0: for developing technology. Well, that's, that says it right there, because if you're not using your own tools, then you're not showing that you really believe in them. Absolutely. So I want to talk about a little more on the the who. And let's mm. say you decide you want to go outside to have that person or company help you implement your plan. Mm. They are the They're going to take the action. Most of our listeners are not in the u k and wouldn't be able to work with you, perhaps even if they wanted to. But even beyond that, let's, let's just, in a broader sense, how do you hire a tech someone, a mm. company or a person to help you with the action? What, Where do people make mistakes? You know, what sort of questions you ask? I'm a job shop owner listening. I want to... I want to make the right right decision
1: okay that's a great question and and here's the thing that just uh, i think what's difficult is is hiring sometimes people think okay i need to use technology i'm going to hire a web designer or a or a Mm -hmm. web developer or a technologist that is, is is superficially easy and in practice it's very hard um because there's, a, there's, lo, there's lots and lots of different types of technology out there, and it's often rare you can find that within one person. And also, it's a different management skill, running mm-hmm. a team of developers. I mean, you've done this, and you will have had experience of this. It's, a, it's a quite a different um, skill set. That Again, that's not to say you shouldn't do it, but it's something before you start to do it, you need to be aware that it's not as easy as perhaps it first looks. Um, I, 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 I know this because... Uh, My first company was a branding business Uh, we helped Mm -hmm. do brand design for people. Um, I I employed a a lot of graphic designers and graphic designers are notoriously difficult to manage. (laughs) They're um, quite kind of… Even more difficult than software developers? No. They're not, <laughs> <laughs> they're actually easier than software developers, which is to my, my. I, I, I sold that business and then I, I, I kind of was building the tech department and I, I thought, yeah, this is going to be, I'll just do the same process. I'll hire these people and we'll get, and it was a different thing. The culturally, they're different and they're harder actually, much harder than graphic designers. And I got my fingers burnt a lot with that. And so you have to have a particular kind of, it's a thing in and of itself, so it's not as as, as easy as, as uh, hiring a couple of graphic designers and then your marketing is all sorted. You have to sort of treat it with respect. That's not to say you shouldn't do it, and, and but, but you, again, with intention, go into that
0: kind of thinking and and, and think it through. And what sort so, of what, uh, what sort of questions should they be asking in the process?
1: So say okay, whether it's an internal hiring to, for somebody internal or somebody external, you should. Uh, it's a relationship and the the questions you should be asking should firstly, and this is why we start with mindset in our bootcamp process is they Mm -hmm. need to be on the same page as you, right? So, so they may be technically brilliant, but if they don't share values that you have, it's Mm -hmm. not going to work, right? Mm -hmm. Really easy. It's easy into these things. It's easy to hire a technologist. It's easy to buy a technology. It's very difficult to get out of it. Right. You're kind of easy and super out. hard
0: to get out of it. Yeah.
1: It's like really take, treat that with respect and treat that in the same way you would go into a business partnership. I mean, I mean, I, it, again, without trying to dramatize it too much, just be careful that you don't like get seduced by somebody's great product. And then you, you stuck with it. And these mm. guys are difficult and they're not collaborative and they're not going to work with you. So treat that, again, the mindset alignment, the values alignment. How, are you really going to work well with these people? And that's actually the number one thing. Mm. Right? I mean, from, from the other side, all the problems we have with customers, our clients, are when they don't share our mindsets. right? If they see this as a if they're sort of, you know, it's by the nature of this thing, it's a collaborative and creative process. Often it's lots of shades of gray. Right? Mm-hmm. So you need to have a relationship where you can nuance this and where your customer isn't demanding things that they perceive to be true because you did it quite quickly and they've misread a line of text in, this, in a statement of work or the contract. Right? Similarly, you don't want a, a supplier saying, hey, Jay, you told me it was going to be this and I've done it done like this and that was my interpretation. So, you know, uh, I'm sorry, it's going to cost you the same again to tweak that. You need mm-hmm. to have an ebb and flow, right? So there's a kind of, sometimes you're going to need to wiggle and change things a little bit and you don't want too contractual a relationship. And, and again, often this, the technology people can be quite zero sum. You know, they, you want to find someone who's going to work with you, whether that they're hired by, uh, whether you hire them as a, as a staff member or employee or whether you're hiring them as a, as a contractor um and then of course it it comes down to the the technical capability um and precisely what you're doing Uh, but i I would look for if you go back to the boot camp model it's the mindset and then the the sort of intention all right if you feel Mm -hmm. that the people are trying to sell you on their thing irrespective of what you're saying don't do it right so 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 uh, you you know this you know you're with a salesperson and, and they're kind of guiding you down the path and you're trying to get out of the path and they're guiding you back down the path just don't mm-hmm. don't go there right even if it looks great and everybody else uses the software it's just like it's a it's an alarm bell that should be ringing for you and and i think this is the, the thing it's like all the problems with technology that i've ever come across ever from 1997 through to today has come from decisions made at the start right if you make a little Mm -hmm. decision if you make a decision wrong at the start it's a big like a hairline fracture at the start of a project is a yawning chasm by the end right Mm -hmm. it's it's over time these these problems compound and then you spend your entire life fixing things that you thought you you misunderstood at the start of the process so it's kind of you know and and all of this again so so here's another thing around communication actually thinking about it it, 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 the community, so the mindset, the values, the capability, the sort of the, the, the working for you, not you for them, but the communication is really critical, right? I mean, literally all the problems we have as a company in, in our service delivery to customers come from a misunderstanding of really what people are saying
0: right at the start. Yeah. Do, do you have, let's say you have a, a large project, do you have, discrete measurable steps along the way where the path can, I don't want to say necessarily change, but uh, meander a little towards that North star Yeah. or, yeah. or, or is it, well, how do you feel about if a company just says, here's the deliverable, which is one of the words they use mm. and there's no intermediate steps along the way to prove that you're,
1: yeah, you really want to break it down. So, so, so what you, I would look for is someone who's going to, again, there's no magic bullets, right? Even if it's a small step, there's a process to go through, and you should be involved in that process. So you can't, like, if someone wants to be a hero and say, leave it with me, I'll come back when it's all completed, don't work with them, right? And that happens whether you're internal, within your company, or external, right? It's a collaborative, it should be transparent, it should be open. So the way that we do it is we would run our workshop, we create a plan, we have a North Star, we have a first step towards it. But that step is, is multifaceted, all right? And there'll be a process to understand the deliverables and the requirements and the technical architecture that we're looking at and the time frame and the people and the communications process and all that stuff. And we document that in what we call a, st- a statement of work, which is kind of like the contract, the detailed contract. And then that will have specific deliverable time framing in it. And then we have a, a, a workflow within that, which is uh, design, develop, test, launch. And the design phase is collaborative and open, has uh, mm-hmm. s- several stages. And we discussed that. So before we code anything, we know precisely the user journey, the, the user experience that the person using using it is going to experience. And we've, we've, discussed that with our client so they're happy with that. And um, we've looked at the visual look and feel and we know how that's gonna be laid out. And then we make it, but we don't make anything until we know that that's the right thing to do and we can, and we can test that uh, in a flat format. Uh, mm-hmm. Because otherwise, once you start, bu- again, it's like building a house, right? If you say, hey, listen, we don't need those architects. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's bricks and stuff, yeah? OK, yeah. like like builders, just build it, make it happen, go for it. And then you come home and it's, they've built it and you, it's all made of breeze blocks and kind of ugly kind of rendering and, you know, it's, they've not finished the roof. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And you go, hey, where's the roof and why are the ugly bricks? And they go, well, that's it's, you said build it. And here it is. Mm. Right. So, so unless you specify what you want and have an understanding of what that's going to look like, you are likely to end up with your ugly house. Right. And then you've got to knock the ugly house down and build it again. So, so the the point is here is transparency, openness, collaboration, being involved in the process very much is what you want to want to be. You want to be looking for that, um, because you need to be involved and, you know, and you have to be open to take direction from the supplier. Mm-hmm. Like, and another thing I would look for, actually, is, is if you're a lot of technology people like to be told what to do, <laughs> right? Hmm. You, don't want, you don't want that. You want someone who's going to push back on your ideas, who's going to be able to lead, right? One of the things we pride ourselves on in my company is, like, you know, you know your business and you have a clear idea, but that doesn't mean you're always right. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And I'm not disrespecting anybody we work with. What I'm saying is that, you know, listen, sometimes you need to take counsel from your supplier. And so there's an interplay there. So you want someone who's going to give you that counsel, but you need to be prepared to listen. So if they're not pushing back
0: at the proposal stage and saying this isn't a good idea. They don't have to, but what what is it? Is it worthwhile almost throwing out something ludicrous to see if they push back?
1: It's an interesting concept, yeah, why not? I mean, in some ways what you wanna find is you don't want a bunch of yes men,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Because all you're gonna happen is, is, like I said earlier in the conversation, it's really easy for you to give a bunch of instruction and get something back that's like not gonna work.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: the tech guy can go, hey, you tell me what to do, you mm-hmm. know? So, so again, the, the building analogy works because the architect will design your building. <laughs> Right. Then you need a team to build the building. Right. But you don't, those builders are not the people to be designing it. <laughs> right. And you also want a, an architect that's going to take your vision and make it real. So you kind of, there's a, there's a sort of, uh, so, so, so there's lots of, um, communication values, um, leadership. Again, these are things to look for. Um, because if you don't have those, you, you could, again, it's really easy for you to create your own problem just inadvertently and all the while along the tech guy goes yes boss yes boss yes boss and then you're you're stuck with a thing that doesn't work
0: so i think you have given us some good insights there on questions to ask the mindsets the values that you need to share and that's a good starting point I want to sort of go 180 and you we've talked a lot about your ebook but the job shop owners want to increase sales and yeah, sure. how has the ebook worked out for you from a marketing perspective is that why did you do it and yeah. what's been the result
1: well it's actually a relatively new thing we've only published it a couple of weeks ago oh. i say, say here's why we did it actually we were this is classic so we went, we went to a, a trade fair, a trade show in the UK called the Smart Factory Expo. And this is a couple of weeks ago. And I mm-hmm. thought, uh, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> and we talk about our boot camp thing. And we've been running this for a couple of years. And I thought, well, I'd leave, I need something a bit more substantive. And so I, I, ended, I started writing. And then it became mm-hmm. this 4,000 words that I've wrote. And I've basically, the, 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 the thinking behind it is, 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 is we uh, genuinely want to help uh, manufacturers, job shop owners, release potential. The way that we're going to do that is by sharing our, what we've learned. Right? Like I said at the start, we're, we're not consultants. We're not a consultancy. I'm not interested in charging money for this knowledge. I want to share it for free. And, you know, if we can get some work out of that, that's great. But the way it's working for us is it's a fantastic conversation piece. It's a so, what we call a social object. People go, mm-hmm. okay, great. And they can see our thinking and they can sample it. And if we can help them, um, you know, improve their company, then we're here and they know what we can do for them. So, so, so it, to your answer, it's, uh, we're trying to kind of live some of those values, you know, like we're trying to communicate. We're trying to be transparent. We're trying mm-hmm. to be collaborative. We're trying to show that we're, we've got some skin in the game here. We're going to give mm-hmm. you that knowledge, right? So we're, we're, we're kind of playing it forward, really. We're kind of we're saying, look, this is genuine. By the way, the ebook is just legitimately the process that we follow internally. That's all I've done. We've written down. Our, in fact, we already was written down. What I've done is shared mm-hmm. our kind of internal training manual. And polished it up a little bit (laughs) and put it on the internet right so this is legitimately what we do it's it's a kind of not a marketing document it's a genuine uh, operational document and and it's all in there all the questions all the workshops the the improvement scorecard the questions you want to ask uh, a whole bunch of stuff i've learned and 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 so it's great for us from a a marketing communication point of view and it shows you know we've already what's happening with this is and a general principle, by the way, is the more information or more sharing you can give to your customer, the more you're proving the quality of your product,
0: the product of your service. That, that is what I am learning, that content is huge. That is the way to market today because people are going to the web for information. And if you mm. can put the right content that resonates with them, then you've got a shot at winning their business. No.
1: Exactly I that, think yeah. Dan,
0: this is a good place to wrap up. I really appreciate you being here today. I thought that the review running through your tech boot camp was hugely helpful and Great. learned some stuff there. I thought that our conversation at the beginning on adaptability was fun and Mm. it's part of technology, so I'm glad that Ross and his team are putting together the tools to help us measure it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great, and actually, I think this whole thing around technology is, is, there's a great quote from Peter Thiel, the guy who founded PayPal,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: in his book Zero to One. He says that properly understood, any new way of doing things is technology, Mm. right? So adaptability is technology. Mindset is technology. My five-step bootcamp process is a form of technology. It's a tool. And all you've got to do is use these tools to your business. That's what technology is. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's been a great conversation, really. I've been really enjoyed it. And uh, we've covered a lot of ground. And, and um, made me think about a few things myself. So that's been uh, a, great, a, great, uh, a, a great connection. So thank you so much. It's, it's an honor to be on the well, podcast.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's fun. And I... I like the shift in my thinking. If I'm a job shop owner, I want to ask now, what do I need to improve? And more importantly, why do I need to yes, improve absolutely. it? And then I can start thinking about the action items to do that. Anything else you would like to add, Dan, before we wrap up?
1: Uh, no, I think we've covered a lot of ground. I mean, if people want to are interested in my company, it's it's uh, well, I'm sure you can share the, 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 the URL right. on the on the description. It's the well, go tech ahead, give depth. your website. It's yes, the, the techdept.com, techdepartment.com, and uh, on there you can find well a little bit more about our company, and you can get the ebook there for free, and yeah, check check us out, and, and I'm on Twitter at the dan kirby. So if you fancy. Me Kirby is K-I-R-B-Y. That's right, yeah, so um, the Dan Kirby um, in fact, I'm the Dan Kirby on all social media. If you want to follow me, I'm on, on Instagram and LinkedIn
0: and Twitter and everywhere else in between. Super.: <laughs> Great. Listeners, thanks for taking the time to share your day with us. We are getting a lot of positive feedback, and we'd appreciate you getting the word out about the job shop show. If you like the show, let your friends and co-workers know about us. And until next time, maximize your uptime and keep those spindles turning and those lasers cutting. Have a great day.